0: Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources. For today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools, at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo in Brief. My name is Megan Strand. I'm going to be your host today. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm honored to be joined once again by Ken Redd, who is Senior Director of Research and Policy Analysis at Nakubo, to talk about Nakubo's latest study of endowments. Welcome back, Ken.
1: Megan, it's always a pleasure to chat with you and to chat about college and university endowments.
0: Well, let's jump right in. We're going to do a little bit of a background here. So uh, give us a frame of reference. What is a college endowment and how do they work?
1: Well, the best way to describe an endowment is with an example, a a sort of a a real-world example This happens a lot. Let's say a donor wants to give a gift to an institution. And that institution could be a university, it could be a a school, it could be a hospital. So a donor wants to give a gift and uh, he or she wants that gift to last, not just this year, but for many years into the future. So they will write a check and give a donation to university, but they will say, well, with this gift, I want this gift to last forever. I don't want you to use this today. I want you to use this tomorrow and for future generations. That's essentially what an endowment is. It's a gift from a donor to a university or other nonprofit organization, and the uh, university, in our case, university, will use that gift to help fund today and into the future uh, certain uh, operations. Usually, it's for financial aid or for faculty research. Uh, So, endowments for all nonprofits, are extremely important because they do provide funding for today's students, in, in, in our case, for university endowments, but also for the students of tomorrow.
0: And how are these endowments generally funded, Ken?
1: Well, I started with the example of a donor, uh, but usually for university, in the case of universities, for the most part, the donors are alums from that school, which makes sense. And normally, the, the gifts will range in size. So there'll be a, a $10,000 gift or a, a million-dollar gift or if it's a large gift. But most endowment gifts are generally small in that 10 dollars to $25,000 range. And so collectively, as alumni from different universities provide these sm- small to mid-sized gifts, uh, collectively, they will make up an endowment. As I mentioned, endowments are are hugely important. All kinds of schools have endowments. uh, But when we hear about a school with an endowment, let's say a school has a $100 million endowment, that gift sounds like a big number, but it's those small gifts from alumni and other donors who collectively together make up uh, what we consider an endowment or that pool of the $100 million pool of money. Um, And as I said, uh, the money, once the universities have it, they invest it in such ways that it lasts and provides income for today's students, but also is going to be used for students of tomorrow.
0: Are there any aspect of endowments you wish people better understood?
1: Yeah, actually, there is. So one of the criticisms that universities get is, like I said, let's say you have a college with an endowment of several million dollars. And sometimes you hear uh, the general public or policymakers say, well, why can't the university just take that endowment gift and use it for financial aid for students of today? The truth of the matter is, is that when a donor provides an endowed fund to university, he or she signs a gift agreement with the school. And that gift agreement is a legally binding document that says the school ca- has to invest the money in a way that it has to last forever, has to last beyond the lifetime of the donor, um, because the school is going to be around forever. At least that's the assumption that the school will continue to generate more and more students throughout the year. So, legally, a school can't take its endowment and use it solely for financial aid for students as much as, as people would like to think that they can, but they legally and morally are obligated to to honor the donor's wishes. But the other thing that I don't think people understand about endowments is that a donor will give a gift, and that gift could cover more than just financial aid. There are campuses with hospitals, for instance, and and lots of alumni who are doctors of the university will give a gift uh, for an endowment, but that endowment is to be used just for the hospital. It can't be used for financial aid or some or something like that. Uh, there are other endowed gifts called endowed chairs, which are to be used just for research or for faculty to fund faculty or uh, student research. Uh, those funds are legally obligated to be used for that purpose. So, I, I guess to put it simp- uh, more simply, I wish people understood that the nature of endowments is that they should last forever, and they should be used to honor the wishes of the of the original donor. And if the wishes of the original donor is to fund a hospital that's on a campus or to fund research, then legally that's what the universities have to, to do with any earnings from the gift. Uh, they have to be used for that purpose. They can't just be used for financial aid or for some other purpose.
0: We hear a lot about large endowments from well-known institutions. Are elite colleges the only organizations that rely on these endowments?
1: We at Nakubo are fortunate in the work that we do. We we work with lots of institutions, very large institutions and very small institutions. So we know that uh, all types of schools of all different sizes of enrollment have endowments. In fact, this year, when we will talk about our endowment study, we see that 809 schools participated in our survey, and of these schools, uh, the, the endowments range from as large as those at Harvard University, which is about 36 billion dollars in endowments, to very small endowments at schools like the like community colleges and other small universities, which have an endowments of, of between one and two million dollars. The median endowment, meaning the the midpoint of all endowments in our study is about is about 128 million dollars, and about 40 percent or so of our uh, schools in our survey have endowments of below 100 million dollars. So most schools' endowments are relatively small. Um, so we we take very a very close look at that those schools in our study, uh, even though that for the most part, when you talk to re- reporters or the general public, they will they will talk more about the really large endowments. Uh, but uh, we we spend a lot of time and, and uh, efforts in our survey to make sure people understand that, that, that there's endowments at these smaller schools as well.
0: Which campus programs benefit from endowments, Ken?
1: Endowments, as I mentioned before, can be used for any and all aspects of university uh, operations. Uh, they can range from everything from financial aid to faculty research to patient care at hospitals. Uh, all those uh, ca- departments on campus have endowed funds. But we find in uh, in research done by uh, another organization, uh, the Council for Aid to Education, that the focus of endowed gifts often is on student financial aid. In fact, uh, according to their survey, which is called the Voluntary Support of Education, about 38% of the restricted gifts to endowments were. Uh, go to support general student financial aid programs. And roughly 20% or so goes to support uh, academic divisions or endowed chairs or uh, research for faculty and students. So those two aspects of university uh, life, uh, financial aid and faculty research, tend to take up a little more than half of all endowed gifts. And the other half goes to other uh, types of operations, as I mentioned, uh, patient care to public service. Uh, those other areas on campus, which are important, but really the focus of endowed gifts tends to be uh, financial aid and research.
0: Well, you mentioned student aid, which is obviously a priority concern as schools are working to improve access and affordability. But are endowments the only source of funding that colleges and universities draw from to provide that financial aid to students?
1: Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, to sort of set the stage for that, I think uh, people should understand that universities provided about $59 billion in financial aid to students, uh, according to the college board uh, in, in academic year 2016-17. So there's a lot of money available for financial aid. Endowments are just one part of that. Uh, in fact, in a, a separate survey that Nakubo does every year, uh, we found that at private colleges that endowments account for only about 10% on average of funding for financial aid. The rest of it comes primarily from donations, annual donations that schools receive from alumni and others for financial aid. Those non-endowed annual gifts that alumni give to their financial aid programs at their schools, they account for a large share of the financial aid funding. And then there's also the other big source of funding, at least at private colleges for financial aid, comes from... Uh, what's called tuition discounting, or the tuition revenue that schools uh, collect from uh, students is often used to award financial aid to other students, uh, either based on their financial need or based on academic merit. And there are lots of other uh, sources of revenue that uh, also cover financial aid. So endowments are an important source of funding financial aid, but they're certainly not the only source. And we generally find that uh, universities themselves use uh, much of their own resources through tuition revenue and other uh, areas to provide that financial aid for students.
0: And remind us why Nakubo studies endowments.
1: Well, Nakubo has been studying endowments every year since 1974. Wow! So we now have the longest annual series of of endowed uh, endowment. Uh, uh, research uh, in North America. Uh, and I say North America because there's a separate survey that we do on Canadian schools as well. Mm. Uh, so we we cover uh, the gamut of endowments, as I mentioned before, and we've been doing it for quite a while. And the reason we do it is because uh, we know uh, from policymakers, the media, uh, and uh, students, potential students, parents, that there's a lot of attention to endowments and there's a lot of attention to financial aid and college fundings. And uh, endowments are a big part of that. In fact, at many campuses, endowment earnings account for 30 to 40% of their annual operating budget comes from their endowment earnings. Uh, On average, about 15% or so of endowment earnings. Earnings uh, covers the operating funds for universities. So they're an important source of revenue. And the annual changes in endowments are a, a pretty big indicator of what's happening to universities and uh, what uh, the effects of the uh, financial markets and other uh, uh, things that are going on in our economy certainly affect colleges and universities. And our endowments play a key role in indicating what kinds of issues, financially speaking, colleges are facing. And and in turn, uh, colleges are facing those issues, but so so are students and parents who uh, want to attend those colleges. So it's a pretty big and important uh, topic, we think.
0: Let's jump into this year's data. How did endowments do in fiscal year 2017? What were the investment returns from this study?
1: There is a sort of good news, bad news situation with endowment returns this year. Uh oh. The good news is that endowments in fiscal 2017 returned positive 2.2%, which is better than last year when you and I talked, Megan, when endowments returned at negative 1.9%. So we went from negative 1.9% in fiscal 2016 To positive 12.2% in 2017. This is certainly good news. Excellent. Certainly, many uh, campuses are in much better shape because of that. Greater gains in endowment earnings tends to lead to greater gains in financial aid for students. So uh, students are better off because of a higher return, certainly. And the campuses are better off, financially speaking, from a higher return. So that's the sort of the good news part of it. The bad news part of the returns this year is that I mentioned before that endowment, they're supposed to last forever. And in order to last forever, the endowment managers don't look necessarily at the one-year return. They look at the longer-term return. In the case of our university endowments, they look at the 10-year average annual return. And the reason they do that is because they want to be able to say, over the long term, we are able to provide returns that Exceed inflation and provide long-term growth and provide funding for today's students. So, in order to do that, their goal for most on most campuses, the goals for long-term return is somewhere between seven and eight percent. So, really, the number that endowment managers look for is not necessarily the one-year return. Uh, Campuses look much more at the ten-year return, and and they want to, as I said, make sure that they're you know, it, it generally uh, exceeding that 7% uh, long-term return target. This year, the long-term returns, unfortunately, was just 4.6%. So far below that 7 to 8% goal that uh, universities target. And that 4.6% return is actually lower this year than it was last year. Last year, when you and I talked, the long-term return was 5%. This year, it's 4.6%, so slightly lower, to to put it uh, as simply as possible. What that means is that campuses are having a harder and harder time meeting that long-term goal of making sure the funds are available for tomorrow's students. So today's students, uh, students on campus today, certainly benefiting from the 12.2% return this year. But students of tomorrow, to the future... Uh, it's getting harder for campuses to meet their goals of continuing intergenerational equity.
0: And do those lower long-term returns affect spending from endowments for financial aid and other reasons?
1: Actually, yes, they do. And and this year, as I said, it's sort of uh, for uh, students and faculty on campus, uh, the effects are actually pretty good. This year, despite the lower returns, uh, we saw much greater spending from endowments. And in fact, uh, about two-thirds, 65%, so about two-thirds of endowments uh, that participated in our survey said that they increased their spending from last year to this year. Again, uh, one of the benefits of a a short-term gain is that uh, you have a little more resources available for that. Uh, So uh, about two-thirds of endowments increased their spending, and that increase in spending was about 6.5%. So far in excess of inflation, which is roughly between two and 3% uh, this year, endowment uh, spending dollars grew by about 6.5%. And the overall spending rate, the the, the percentage of the endowments that are spent it is called the spending rate. The spending rate last year was 4.3%. This year is 4.4%. So again, the, the higher spending uh, is benefiting students and and we talked about earlier, much of that uh, increased spending dollars is clearly going toward financial aid and and uh, faculty research, with financial aid being the primary driver of that. So for campus students, uh, you you're have seen, you're going to continue to see uh, greater funds for scholarships to support students and to uh, for other uh, means for supporting students. Again, that's sort of the good news. Uh, but what we are worried about, though, is the flip side to that is that the longer term returns are actually lower this year. That means that there's going to be fewer dollars available for the future generations of students. This year's students, it certainly is good news to report that the campuses continue to support uh, in a very healthy way uh, financial aid for students.
0: So what you're saying is that over time, colleges and universities are spending more in dollars from their endowments.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, uh, students uh, have been benefiting from increased spending from endowments in every year since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And again, this is in over that uh, last 10 years, we talked before, long, uh, longer-term returns have been far below uh, average. Um, but even in that time, you've seen more and more uh, spending from endowments. And in fact, Since the financial crisis in 2008-2009, the average amount that schools spent from their endowments uh, grew from about $16.5 million to about $22.3 million. We expect, going forward, that schools, on average, will will continue to spend more than $20 million each year from their endowments. Uh, So spending dollars have been going up for quite a while Uh, even though returns on a long-term basis, returns have been below average. So again, that's really helpful to a lot of students on campuses uh, that we are seeing that uh, very healthy increase in spending dollars.
0: So given the rise in spending and lower long-term returns, have endowment managers made any changes in how they invest these funds? And how are they invested
1: now? One of the advantages of endowments is, as I mentioned, their long-term assets they they're designed to last forever so managers of endowments don't have to make radical changes in their in the their investment philosophies or in their in, in investment strategies uh, so it's a little bit different than you you and i in our uh, in, uh, re- retirement plans we might buy and sell stock uh, pretty regularly or we might instead of you know investing uh In bonds, one year we will change to stocks the next year as the markets change. But endowment managers, because they're thinking a much longer term time horizon than just one person's retirement, uh, they're thinking of of many generations down the road. So they tend to be pretty stable. For example, last year and this year, about 16% of the endowment assets were invested in U.S. stocks. So that hasn't changed at all over the last uh, couple of years. Same with bonds, uh, what's called fixed income, uh, U.S. and foreign bonds, about 8% of all endowments on average invested their endowments in U.S. bonds last year, and the same was this year. Uh, The only change you really saw, and it was a very slight change, is that uh, part of endowments that's invested with what's called alternative assets, and those are uh, assets that, uh, like stocks and bonds are sort of the traditional ways to invest. Alternatives are things like commodities, hedge funds, um, th- uh, private equity, those kinds of non-traditional um, and much tend to be much riskier uh, in, endowment uh, uh, investment strategies. Um, last year, a, a little more than half, about 53% of endowment assets were invested in these alternative assets. Uh, this year, it's declined slightly to about 52%. So only a, a minor change. So the the general answer to your question is that, by and large, endowment investments and investment strategies that managers follow haven't really changed that much. You don't see radical shifts from one year to the next. And in good markets, they tend to invest similarly as they would in, in down markets. And I I would suggest, you know, now we are in the middle of a good market. I don't think you'll see too many endowment managers make changes in their uh, investments and and I probably should have said this earlier. Uh, collectively, in the survey, I mentioned we have eight hundred nine schools participating. Collectively, those uh, uh, endowments had just about five hundred sixty seven billion dollars in total endowment assets. So when I say, you know, on average eight percent are were invested in in bonds and sixteen percent was invested in U.S. stocks, that means of that five hundred sixty eight billion dollar fund. You know, 16% of that on average was invested in stocks, 8% was invested in bonds, et cetera. So that just gives you a little bit of a frame of reference.
0: Get out your crystal ball for us, Ken. What investment changes do you think endow- endowments will be making in the future?
1: That's an interesting and somewhat challenging question for us. We here at Nakubo, we like to do the research, but we don't have a crystal ball. We don't like to make predictions per se. But I will say that uh, we do see a, a number of challenges ahead mostly from the standpoint of what's going on in Washington, the sort of legislation that's passed. Many of your of our listeners to our podcast are familiar with the series that we've done on the uh, the recently passed Tax Cut and Jobs Act, that the, the, the both mm-hmm. House and Senate had their versions of the tax bills, and now it's, it's the new law. And there's a, a couple of provisions in that bill that, that give us some pause related to the future of endowments. And One is starting this year, fiscal 2018, there's going to be a new tax on endowments of Hmm. 1.4% excise tax on schools with more than 500 students and more than half a million dollars in endowment uh, assets per student. Um, uh, We have, and others, others, but we have estimated that about three dozen private institutions. The provision relates to just private schools. So about three dozen private institutions will be subject to this tax. That's an approximation. We really don't know exactly how the provision will shake out exactly because uh, uh, obviously there are actions that schools will take. There's actions that that the IRS still has to provide guidance. So there's some actions there. Uh, Schools may make some changes to their and investment philosophies to try to mitigate the, the amounts of tax they would have to pay. But nonetheless, this is the first time in the history of the United States that colleges of any size are going to be subject to some sort of excise tax. So that, I guess I'm going to speak more for myself than for Nakubo, but uh, I think it's, it's troubling that we've reached the point where Congress feels the need to tax and endowments in this way, especially, as I said, given the fact that uh, much of the funds that use from endowments goes to financial aid for students. So I wish that Congress and, and others had recognized the services that institutions provide to these students through their endowments. But nonetheless, we are where we are, and this is the law. So how how this law, how this provision will affect endowments remains to be seen. But the other aspect of that tax bill that, um, again, gives us pause is that um, a provision uh, has uh, expanded the personal exemption, roughly doubling it, which on the surface sounds great, um, that shields more Americans from tax liability. But for all charities, not not just endowments, for all charities, what it means is that there are now fewer tax incentives for taxpayers to donate to to charities. Uh, we started previously uh, in in today's podcast, uh, Megan. I I said that the, by and large endowments were funded by mid-sized, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar gifts from alumni to their alma maters. Much of the reason for giving those gifts is because uh, taxpayers could. Itemize their deductions and uh, take a, a, a bit of a tax benefit from that. Now that the exemption, the personal exemption has been expanded, there's fewer incentives to itemize, and that means likely there are fewer incentives to uh, give to charities of all types, not just in universities, but to all types. And for universities specifically, this is a, 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 a huge deal because, as I said, uh, much of the gifts we get from endowments comes from alumni who are, who are both generous and taxpayers. So uh, there's been some initial work done by uh, nonprofit uh, uh, and nonpartisan organizations uh, that have estimated that uh, all charities over the next year could lose uh, about $13 billion in new gifts as a, as a uh, consequence of this provision in the tax law. You know That's an estimate. We don't know what the exact impact will be. We certainly don't know what the exact impact will be on endowments specifically, but it is something that we'll have to bear in mind. The present for endowments is pretty clear. We had a, a very good year, no question about that, 12.2% return, as I mentioned before. But with the tax bill, it's really anyone's guess as to what the future will hold for, for, for us and for our endowments.
0: What are the most important concerns, would you say, Ken, for endowments and endowment managers during this coming year, 2018?
1: Uh, So I I mentioned the provisions of the tax bill. Talk more specifically about the investment climate. Over the past 10 years, there's been a lot of volatility in the markets. Uh, Several years, you and I have talked, uh, Megan, where the endowments have been uh, uh, low and losing money, uh, negative returns, and other years where it's been... Uh, double digit returns like we have this year on the plus side, so there's a lot of volatility and uh, the one thing that it, you know you and i we we have and a, most most listeners we have our retirement accounts, things like that, so we know when we open our accounts there's some years where we 've done really well, and other years we haven 't done so well and and that volatility uh, is difficult to invest in because it 's unpredictable, and so that 's where we are now, I think, in terms of the investment climate. Um, the markets have gone up a lot uh, over the last uh, couple of years, for sure, and continue as we talk uh, today in, in fiscal 18, uh, in calendar year 2018, uh, the the markets continue to, to rise. At some point, the rise will end, because it, it, they always do, right? You, you, know, you never have a market that goes up and up every year. At some point, the markets will start to decline, what you don't know is when that will happen. So that uncertainty, that uh, volatility, I think is something that bears watching. One of the things that I that I expressed to you last year, which I continue to express this year, and that's the continuing misunderstanding that I think the public and policymakers and and others have about the role of endowments. And this also adds to the uncertainty. Uh, we I, I mentioned before sort of the tax. The, the tax bill and the excise tax on some endowments, how much is that going to continue? Will that expand? You know, The, the answer to those questions uh, is going to uh, definitely impact both the perceptions of endowments and how endowments are used in the future. I guess I'll, I'll end by saying uh, it's something that I also said last year that I continue to say Uh, is that um, we are in an era, and I think this is going to be an era that lasts for quite a while, where because of the misunderstanding of endowments, you're going to have more and more people say, well, why should we continue to invest for the future? We should use more of the endowed funds for today's students. And while that is helpful for today's students, it really does come counter to what the original purpose of endowments is, and that is to be sort of a long-term asset that helps a university planning for today and for future generations. So I think we're losing that understanding that today's generation should preserve some funding for the future so that future generations can uh, get educated. You're you're seeing less of that. You're seeing more of, we should use more money from endowments for today's generation and, and not save as much for the future you know, that, that's very sad and very troubling for me. And I, I hope we at some point we get out of this era, but right now we're, that's sort of where we are. So not to end on a negative note, <laughs> I like to think uh, sort of positively, but I think we have to be realistic that universities are under a lot of pressure to uh, use their endowments to support financial aid today. And I think that means that we're sacrificing future generations for the generations of today. And that, you know, that, like I said, that's, that kind of controverts the whole purpose of endowments to be useful for today's generations and for tomorrow. So not just me, but uh, many other people have kind of said that is something that troubles them as well.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ken, for joining me today to talk about this latest study on endowments. Fantastic information.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome, Megan. It's, It's always a great pleasure.
0: You can find out more about today's episode as well as find the study Ken has been talking about by visiting the distance learning section of Nakubo.org. Make sure you also subscribe to Nakubo in Brief in Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Ken and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nakubo in Brief.